For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is Both Kinds of Sports, where we cover and analyze the NFL and the NFL offseason. That's right. We do it all year long, and we do it the right way. Uh, we don't sit here and read statistics to you. We talk about sport that both Tor and I enjoy. For real, though, yo, don't have to pretend to like baseball anymore. Baker Mayfield rumors are running amok. Apparently... A contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is not a slam dunk. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler said that they are hoping to re-sign Mike Evans, but Baker Mayfield, not a slam dunk, also said there is a strong market for Baker Mayfield. And specifically, the only team that he brought up by name, Tours Atlanta Falcons, the Dirty Birds. Mentioned that they are a quarterback away from being a contender in the South. B. John Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and the lot. As crazy as it sounds, Tor, I don't hate this move. I know you're probably not in love with it, but 64.3% of his passes, over 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, and this is the kicker, only 10 interceptions. Imagine the power shift in the South if Baker went from Tampa to the Atlanta Falcons. It would have been pretty reflective of how it went last year. I think Baker Mayfield has, when given the starting role, shown what he can do. He can win games, but a lot of the times he's going to throw a back-breaking interception in the fourth quarter. It's not as many as he was throwing earlier on. Uh, he's better than he was in Carolina for sure. And that team was a dumpster fire when they brought him in. Uh, that was a Hail Mary. This seems like, okay, we're starting to figure out what Baker can do. And I think that offense would look a lot like this past year's Bucks offense. Drake London and Mike Evans have similarities. Cameron Brait and Kyle Pitts have about equal production, which is crazy to say. Uh, I don't think I'd be displeased if I made it to the playoffs though, with Baker Mayfield. They're, I can root for him. I find myself rooting for him. They're not going to be able to draft one of those top three guys. Um, and also, I, I don't know how much Kirk Cousins is going to want. Maybe that's plan A, but if Cousins re-signs in – Minnesota or he ends up going to Tampa this would be I think Baker is a fantastic plan B um I think it's Cousins then it's Baker and then everybody else is like Ryan Tannehill-esque right I think that's the only other quarterback that's you know there's guys like that that are going to be available yeah so, I don't I wouldn't hate this if I was a uh if I was a Falcons fan I, I think they would immediately become a playoff team they would, but the fans know they need to do better than Baker. And I don't think that's unfair to ask from your management, is to find the best quarterback you can. Well, except they had a very difficult time doing that as of late. They're no, terrible. Nobody sends Matt Ryan, I believe. <laughs> yeah, he stunk also. <laughs> he had some Pro Bowl years. Watch quarterbacks staying in the news. Cam Newton fighting at a 7-on-7 seven seven tournament. What a nuts fucking video that was. And I shouldn't even say Cam Newton fighting. Cam Newton defending himself uh, against the TSP crew. Who the uh, fuck is that? Some coaches uh, of one of the teams participating in the event, uh, Top Shelf Performance, a national 18U uh, seven-on-seven football program. I'll give some advice to anybody uh, that hasn't played in the NFL. Don't fight people that have played in the NFL. Good advice. It 
that's gonna go poorly for you. You're not bigger or stronger than Cam Newton. You're just not. I think people believe he's a bit of a goofball, so they can try him. Yeah. But here's the, the despicable part about this tour. We don't still know why that fight happened. At least I, I read this morning, looking for any type of a reason. No real details yet. What could Cam Newton have done at a volunteer seven-on-seven football tournament where he's given his time to justify being jumped by four dudes? You know what? I, if I had to guess... Cam Newton was talking a little bit spicy, but if you're going to a Cam Newton camp, that's what you would expect. It's kind of his thing is to talk trash at camps and have fun, joke around. I guess this these guys did not like it or were unaware that Cam Newton is a trash talker. How about your guy coming in as he's fighting three dudes and trying to throw a haymaker? It's like, what a fucking pussy. I mean, just... I don't understand the mentality, man. Like, three of you, four of you, five of you are going to fight one dude. Like, where were you raised? And it's just, like, awful, awful It was look. nuts. Yeah. But here's what I know. I wouldn't fuck with Cam Newton with, with ten dudes. He dwarfed four dudes and made... He and ragdolled that one guy with the... He threw yeah. that dude into the fucking street. It's a crazy video. I just... He was the biggest, strongest, and fastest player in the NFL for four years. And you want to try him? Well, good on him, too. I didn't see yeah. him throw one punch. No, it, it, the, just... the whole thing was, get away from me. He had a dude in the headlock. Um, he's pushing one dude down. Like, right. I, he actually kept his head, and, of course, everyone's making jokes about the hat staying on the whole time. It's <laughs> kind of funny, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It stunk. I, I'm not a, the biggest Cam Newton fan. I think he acts like a, did act like a clown the last couple of years for the most part, but Jesus Christ, how stupid do you have to be to do that? And then if, if an athlete's volunteering their time... That should be respected. You're yeah. not on his level. Hey, flag football coaches, you're not on his level. They don't realize. They think they they coaches think they are, and a lot every every year coaches say, "Hey, just because you're a football player, people are going to try to push you." And obviously, I wasn't getting pushed. I, I fucking sucked. But the the guys that that I saw were yeah, but starting you see because plays. of your size too, though. Yeah, like, people come up and they just act differently. They and do. They, and guys, I, I, there's some weird insecure little boy shit that goes on when I think guys see people that are known for their physicality where they're like, I'm going to test my manhood against you. Um, no. Don't do that. Get over that shit. Do you remember that? It's a bizarre clip. Remember that clip of the guy telling uh, Barack Obama at some polling place, hey, don't don't talk to my girl or something like that? It, no, but... It, and then Barack was like, yeah, okay, I'm sure. And then he gave they gave the girl a kiss on the cheek and, and hugged and walked out. Like, it's got to be a huge... Are you kidding me? I, I, no, I don't know that story. When was that story? Oh, it was just a, a clip from a while ago, oh, I think. Oh, I have no idea. Are you sure it's not AI? I'm pretty sure, yeah. I can't trust anything. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, there, I, I learned... I saw a little bit of that with LeVar, where just guys... That, and it was... I don't see anyone ever physically challenge him, which would have been very stupid. Um... But, but guys that would call into the show and because they, they would start with, well, I coach my son's teams and blah, blah, blah. Dude, what are you talking about? Like, that that's apples and fucking oranges. It's like saying I changed my own oil in my Accord, so I'm going to go up and tell this NASCAR driver what he's doing with his fucking life. It's NFL players' jobs to know the game. It's their job. And to see it at the speed that they saw it at? It's crazy. Fuck me, man. If I'm Cam Newton, I don't do that shit. Well, I mean, he's, you know, he's an alpha male, so he's not going to let those guys dictate what he does. But why yeah. put yourself at risk? Why put yourself in a situation where that can happen? There's no know. security? Like, there's no fucking one. Well, I mean, the cops showed up pretty quick in the video, I noticed, which is good. What a bummer for those kids, man. Right. You know? They're just trying to 
play, you know, seven on seven in front of Cam Which Newton. Which is a very healthy thing, by the way. It's a good thing for kids to do. Um, the kickoff has been completely neutered in the NFL. We did not see one kickoff returned in the Super Bowl. I believe it was the first time it's ever happened. The competition committee tour has discussed the XFL kickoff um, and could propose a version for vote at the annual league meeting. Only 22% of kickoffs were returned last season um, and all 13 of the kickoffs in the touchback. So the XFL model, are you familiar with this? I am. So the kicker is kicking from the 30-yard line while the rest of the kickoff team begins on the opposite 35-yard line, separated from the other members of the team by only five yards. So apart from the kicker and the returner, none of the special teamers are allowed to move until the ball is fielded. This past year, they put the ball on a 35-yard line and basically said, if you fucking take a knee, it goes out to 25. So if it didn't get kicked out of the back of the end zone, there was little incentive to bring it out. Mm -hmm. I thought they were trying to get rid of the kickoff. They must have gotten some feedback or done some sort of sourcing where they found out that people really miss it. I don't have a problem with this. I, I think the issue that they had with the concussions was these guys are big, strong dudes getting a 30 fucking 40 yard running head start yeah. and head hunting. Um, if they're right next to each other and can bang it out a little bit within five yards, I think, that, I think that makes sense. I'm excited for it. I think NFL uh, special teams coaches and head coaches can get creative with this method. We can see reverses. It's an option. And the kickoff return touchdown or the punt return touchdown or just long returns. It's just exciting in football because you right. get to see just the fastest guy on the field really go. And, and you're like, wow, that's why he's in the NFL. Uh, there was a Jacoby Jones highlight tape posted a couple days ago. I watched it. I was floored. I'm like, wow, he was exciting. He was never the best player in the NFL, but there was a space for the best athletes in the nation to come in and, and find a position and play the game. And I, I think it's important to try to keep that around so it's not just specialized offense, defense, and we get to see athletes being athletes. Brian Mitchell, Devin Hester. I mean, you go down the list of guys, you're like, who is it, Dante Hall? Yeah. Uh, guys, it's like they, they were known for that moment and being able to create that spark. Dave Maggett was always a guy that would – Murder. I always bring him up. Played for the Giants. He was a running back. He would return punts and kicks. He would fuck the Redskins up all the time. And it's like, we just don't have that anymore. I, I like whenever I see a fullback. It's like, oh, that's right. Yeah. That's, that, that's the way guys used to be able to contribute to this fucking sport. Um, to get this done, they need 24 votes, which apparently is difficult to accomplish. But I hope that it happens because I do miss the kickoff. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, offense is getting, uh, or at least remaining, as strong in the AFC. Bengals are keeping T. Higgins for another year. He is getting franchise tagged. The number is expected around $21.8 million. Higgins had an up-and-down year this year, battling some injuries, but at times showed how important he can be to the Cincinnati offense when they involve him. He is kind of the the last emergency latch to pull before the game is kicked and you start getting him going he can make some plays keep you in it i think he's a one on a lot of teams tour um and i, I don't know what does it take to trade for a guy this year that's franchised do we know it's it's i don't know if anyone will do it um that will come up with a package that makes sense i don't want the titans to do it because i think they're two years away they're not in a place to make a move like that but Whenever Jamar Chase gets injured, which I don't want to say it happens a lot, but it does happen, um, you kind of see who Higgins is. And yeah. he's got fucking size for days. Just such a monstrous 
duo. Um, and to be able to put up, you know, over a thousand yards or close to it when you have arguably the best wide receiver on your team is always impressive to me, no matter how much attention he's taken away. Yeah, I, I love that guy. Uh, I would have franchised him, and I, I don't know. If there's a team that thinks they're a wide receiver away, I would sniff around. I would have to. Uh, there was there was a play. It's, it's kind of hard for receivers to make unforgettable plays for me, but Higgins right. made one this past year. Uh, I think it was versus the Steelers, week 16 with Jake Browning. Uh, he catches a ball on the sidelines on, like, the two-yard line, stretches an arm farther than I've ever seen it, scores the touchdown, helps Cincinnati, makes an incredibly athletic, acrobatic play. I'll never forget that play. Showed what he could really do, how much of a freak he is. Fantasy fans really don't like him because fantasy numbers are about as good as Brandon Cooks every single year. Yeah. But on-field impact, ball knowers, they know that T. Higgins can play. He, so. had, he had that uh, hamstring injury this year, too, which kind of hindered his uh, output, which I think, you know, there's some recency bias with people and in, in, in where he slates slots in in the echelon of wide receivers. I think he's fantastic, and uh, I would try to – I would try to at least put in a conversation, put in a phone call to have a conversation about acquiring a service. Um, oh, yes. My bad, yeah. Uh, Derek Henry. You guys remember him? He is a free agent, and they were doing a, a bit where they were having a conversation about where, who goes to what. It was a, uh, a Pittsburgh Steelers article, but he was talking about how the aforementioned uh, the running backs – scenario for this offseason, Jeremy Fowler came on and said that the Baltimore Ravens were going to have interest in Derrick Henry. Now, that's kind of interesting. He actually went on my my, my old producer, Coach G's show, for this story. Coach G, dear Dordor. So it was funny when I was reading it. I look at this stupid Coach G. Um, I was uh, I was looking at this, and I was like, well, Lamar Jackson's there. Don't they do a shitload of stuff out of the gun? And Derrick Henry is, you know, eye formation, fucking up the gut, right, left, right. Yeah. At least you think of that, that, and maybe he'd be capable of more. That's just what we've seen out of him. He's 30 years of age. Um, Tony Pollard is potentially going to be, what, available. I think Saquon Barkley might potentially. There's a lot of names out there, but if you are a team that thinks you can win a Super Bowl next year, and certainly the Ravens are one of those teams, I, I think you'd be foolish not to see what he's looking for. Um, and Derrick Henry's made a bunch of money. I never like to count people's fucking, you know, what they have toward. It, yeah. it doesn't make me any money. But maybe he'll say, yeah, Ravens, I'll sign, uh, give me a million dollars a year, and I'll fucking, you know, I'll be on this team because I know I'm going to be in the divisional round of the playoffs. And, you know, he's he sniffed that with the Titans. They've won playoff rounds. They've gotten out of the wild card round. Uh, they were the one seed one year. But, you know, he... I would assume at this part of his career, knowing what type of dude that he is, at 30, a Super Bowl is what he's focused on. Yeah, I think he wants to get the ring. Baltimore would be a great – I guess it's a good team to try to get a ring. They're always competitive. He can be an asset still. He had 12 touchdowns that. last year, he and the Titans be, were bad. He's he's not prime Derrick Henry anymore. Everybody knows it. But he can get you touchdowns. He can be a factor. He's a huge body supreme athlete just find a way and the Ravens keep on having downhill run Gus Edwards the, 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 the whole thing with him is he never loses the yard he's so big and strong he falls forward they utilize guys in, in Baltimore ways that I don't think they will so maybe they could 
maybe they can get Derrick Henry going. I like watching him play, so I hope he finds a spot where he can still thrive and be fun. Justice Hill's under contract. Uh, Keaton Mitchell was in his rookie year last year. He tore his ACL. J.K. Dobbins is set to be uh, a free agent coming off a torn Achilles. Um, so, yeah, there's some there's some options there, and I, I can't even – I know that it only happens once or twice a year. <laughs> But can you imagine getting out of the goal line and there's Lamar and then Derrick Henry who's got that little jump pass yeah. that every time he does it, it works. I mean, that's just something you that has to be in the back of every defensive coordinator's brain that you're playing against. Um, that would be – can you imagine fucking trying the, the mismatches they can create down in the red zone with both those guys on the field? It also wouldn't hurt to have him pushing somebody in if no I were going to pick a running who's back. Who's going to stop that motherfucker? From dragging a school bus up a hill. It's an asset. Jesus, they could have a naked it. It could be Lamar. They got a big fullback, Patrick Ricard, who's a beast. And, oh. and they're going to have two tight ends that can fucking be threats in the red zone. Starting to get a bit steamed. I'm not because it's the Ravens. I know, I know. But, I mean, look, Derrick Henry's awesome. I, I, I would hate to see him in a Ravens uniform, but I'd also be very happy for him because he doesn't deserve the mess that is Tennessee right now. Uh, he gave them everything he's got, and if he won a championship, that would be fantastic. Yeah, he's a pro. I hope to see him do well. Hopefully, get a ring. Yeah, very good. Are we done? Uh, I got one more oh, quick you one. Do. Oh, you. Yeah. Uh, longtime NFL and sports writer Peter King stepping away from a while, for oh. a while. Uh, he was writing for a Pro Football Talk, correct? Yes. This is uh, his latest and I guess last article for a while coming out. He is calling his retirement from writing. Uh, he's putting an asterisk next to it, like many do now. Okay. Uh, but. He says he wants to get bored. Uh, and he, he <laughs> questions, am I meant to do uh, one thing from the time I walk out of college until the day they put me in the ground? Who knows? Uh, but he, he wants to check it out, see how it is. Uh, I would expect that he's still going to be writing next time the NFL comes 44 comes years covering the NFL. I could imagine how that gets a little stale. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you've seen a lot. Uh, I don't know if I was the biggest I haven't been the biggest Peter King reader lately, but no. when I was just getting into sports, he was the main guy for Sports Illustrated, uh, and that had a massive impact on me, uh, watching his full-length uh, columns, uh, watching, reading his full-length columns uh, in magazines from 2007, 2008. I got to be honest, this format, it just doesn't, and I hate to say this because I sound like an ignoramus. It just doesn't fit with the way we consume media anymore to read. So I think it's one of the reasons Grantland didn't survive. It's yeah. like just sitting there and just reading endless prose. Uh, he's 79 years old. So I don't know. Maybe you do a bit where you come back and you write about big moments on your terms. There's always going to be an audience for that. But yeah, at 79, I, I could imagine you not wanting to stay up until fucking 3 o'clock in the morning on Sunday night writing that goddamn column. King's only 66, I think. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, Maybe I have a different Peter King up here. Possible. But, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. American politician. <laughs> I wonder who that I was is. About to say, King, King's been looking good for I'm some I'm not voting that, for him. But, uh, <laughs> no disrespect. I respect the elderly, but 79? Jesus Christ. In, in King's article, he said, yeah, his editor, his editor was asking if he could move it from 10,000 words to about 6,000. He tried it. He didn't like it. So huh. I think the modern age Oh, so they're trying to get him to write less? A little bit less because either his workload, how much he wanted to do, uh, he was kind of going two articles, three articles a week, some time off. Uh, but 66, way different. I mean, 66 now, you would assume he's going to have several active years left. So, yeah, why not go I to think the he's beat? taking the offseason off. Why not? Go ahead, travel. 
66. That's why don't decide you want to retire the day after the fucking season ends. Decide, you know, a month after. Figure out. Figure out what you want to do. All right, Tor. Very good. <laughs> want to say thank you to our buddy Joe Azer for sponsoring the show. If you need to buy or sell a home in the Northern Virginia area, 571-989-AZER is the only number you need. Put it in your phone. Keep it for a rainy day. I was just talking HELOC loans with my guy. If you don't know what that means, you don't need to. Joe will explain it to you. 571-989-2937. Again, as we've mentioned on the show, our buddy Biker Sean will be in here on Wednesday's episode uh, just got himself a nice house out in West Virginia, bought a much bigger house than he thought that he could afford because he dealt with Joe Azer, got his uh, condominium sold here in Virginia with Joe, did a great job. He's helped hundreds, I think hundreds at this point of my listeners and is a wonderful man. 571-989-AZER. If you have any questions about buying or selling a home in this area, Joe is your guy. We're going to take a quick break and then come back with the great Matthew Collar from the Purple Insider and find out, hopefully, where Kirk Cousins is headed on the Chad Duke Show. On Friday, April 26th, the Pie Tasters will be performing at the Tally Ho Theater with the Chad Duke Show crew in attendance. Doors to the show open at 7 p.m. and you can get your tickets at tallyhotheater.com. It is the Chad Duke Show, both kinds of sports, where we discuss the NFL and the NFL offseason. Those are the sports that matter to us. Joining us now on the Monk's Barbecue Hotline, my buddy Matthew Collar from the Purple Insider, purpleinsider.com. He has a book out called Football is a Numbers Game. He likes them analytics, boy. Matthew, great to have you on the program, man. How are you? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I went... So I went out to Radio Row uh, to promote my book for a few days, and I didn't realize that it w- I was the one that had to defend Dan Campbell going for it on fourth down yeah. because uh, apparently that was the first analytical-driven decision ever made in the NFL. So uh, that, that was kind of wild. I was like uh, – it's not really what the book is about, but I guess I'll try. <laughs> he's he's such an interesting case, and I know that, of course, the play you're talking about, and he's he had a couple of them during the year. I think it's because he's so – I don't know what the way – he comes a, across as very old school and very let's run Oklahoma drills, and it, it sometimes it doesn't feel with him like it's analytically based. It's almost like it's – um you know, blank measuring where it just seems like we're going to go out there and we're going to run it down their throats. I think it's specifically and intrinsically that particular debate has to do somewhat with the way that he kind of goes about his business and conducts himself as well. Yeah, that's kind of odd, though, because, I mean, he is the most old school, like presenting type of coach. And yeah, I tend to agree with you that I think it was more just an overarching philosophy of his that we're going to go for it. And part of it is they know their defense was not all that good and they must have thought we got to put this team away because if we give it to them here, or we, or we miss field goal, their field goal kicker was also really bad. Like yeah. that has to be factored in as well, but you know, they did it all year long and it helped them get there. So I guess why at the biggest moment, would you just go, no, no, we're not going to do this. And it's actually not very different from what Doug Peterson did when Carson Wentz went down in 2017. He's like, we're not going to beat Tom Brady 
by punting the ball to Tom Brady. We're, we're going to have to pull some trickery in order to, to do this. So I kind of respect that approach. Uh, and I don't think every single fourth down was perfectly analytical by the numbers as more of just a, like, hey, I think we can get this. And if the guy catches the ball instead of having it bounce off his hands, then we probably never talk about it again. Or if, you know, the guy doesn't have the ball bounce off his face mask. I mean, the 49ers went for one and they got it and no one ever talked about it. So it's like one of those classic NFL, we have to question similar to the coin flip in overtime with Shanahan. If we're not yelling about the thing that went wrong and questioning the coach, then what are we doing here? So I think that was part of it, but it is interesting how much fourth downs have exploded across the entire NFL. That was another thing. It was like, are you guys watching? I mean, because these are common among like all NFL teams because it is more efficient. And also who's against more fun and more tense moments in a game. That was kind of my thing. I also, I think, and you're aware of this in sports talk radio, I, I always used to call them gimme topics where you know that if you bring it up, there's going to be a base level of dudes that call, I call them run the damn ball guys in Washington. There was guys <laughs> every Monday that would call up and say, the NFC East is about running the damn ball. And I'm like, well, it hasn't been about that for about 20 years, but you get them wound up whenever you talk about, you know, a decision like that and you and analytics is involved and their consequences don't go because you trust the process, not the results, right? That's what you base your, your decisions on, but that will stir everyone up. So I don't know how much of it is actually outrage and how much of it is i know people will click i know people will call and chew up some of them quarter hours that's 100 percent true it's sort of like if you just turned on if you just like rolled out of bed didn't prepare a show at all and you were like uh lebron versus jordan call in and you would get you know ten thousand calls it doesn't mean it's a good discussion it just means that it'll get people riled up 100 percent chance i always did it in the middle of uh when like the the summer doldrums i would bring up rg3 and kirk cousins and then just (laughs) everything you could just fill you could fill an hour with that all right well let's talk about kirk cousins uh rg3 thought he was playing some good football last year i i say i don't watch him as closely as you do now but i thought it was the best football i would seen him play and then of course there is the injury which i see he just posted a video of him throwing the football everybody just looks at the Aaron Rodgers stuff and we kind of throw out how devastating those injuries can be but they still are and he's going to be a free agent but he is still recovering um what is the latest there what is I, I assume he is the top quarterback on the market is Baker Mayfield going to have to wait until we see what happens with Kirk Cousins how does this thing unfold in front of us Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts here, and it also starts with Justin Fields as well. I mean, we all think that Justin Fields is getting traded, so if he gets traded to Pittsburgh or Atlanta, then there's a team off the board for Kirk, or could they wait to see where Kirk goes before they trade Justin Fields? There's a long time before the draft like Chicago doesn't have to hurry here um, you would think that they would want you know to get as many offers as possible and they can trade him before Kirk officially becomes a free agent so the timing of all of this is kind of you know a big part of it I think Kirk is a, a level above Baker Mayfield as far as attractiveness to a team because he has a longer track record I don't know if I would feel that way I mean Baker Mayfield now has one more home playoff win than Kirk Cousins in his career. And I think that people underrate just how valuable it is 
to play with Justin Jefferson, to have played with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, or, you know, you even go back to Washington, Deshaun Jackson, the tight ends, the offensive line. I mean, he's always had a lot to work with. So if you're going to sign him, you better be sure that you can give him a lot to work with. And the, the funny part about you mentioning that he was playing really good football, and it's, it's true. Uh, and I think that the timing of when he got hurt was the most advantageous thing for Kirk Cousins, because had he gotten hurt two weeks earlier, after he had played the worst game of his season against Carolina, we might've felt different about how much value was there. We might've said, Oh, Kirk is fading. He's 36. Now he's got an Achilles injury, but he played a super game against green Bay's clueless defensive coordinator, Joe Barry. And then it was, well, you know, he's playing the best football, but the thing about Kirk is that you can go through his game logs of every single year, go back to 2015 and the heater he got on after the, you like that game. It was insane. Hmm. He had like 130 quarterback rating over an eight or nine game stretch. Did the same thing in 2019 when he got them to the playoffs. Like this is kind of a staple of the Kirk, which is you know they call it Kirktober for a reason because he'll have one month out of a season where you think this is Drew Brees, this is the best quarterback ever, and then uh, you know it comes down the other side of the mountain, kind of like a baseball hitter that gets. 10 home runs in a month and then two in the next month. Uh, that's always been Kirk. But since he was on the heater when he got hurt, now it's like, well, man, you just, just bring him back, run it all back. And I think that there's probably a, a lot of different ways to look at this from a Vikings perspective. Um, one from the head coach probably thinks, Hey, if I just bring back Kirk, then we can add the other pieces, but I know we've got our quarterback. I would also ask who else that's ever worked for in the 10 years. The guy's been playing <laughs> Um, and that's, and I think that's from the general manager and front office perspective. It's not often that you get a first round that's got five started, you know, quarterbacks that you could potentially draft. And then there's the element of how much is it going to cost? How much does he want guaranteed all those types of things? And guess what? You know, the amount he wants guaranteed probably a lot and you yeah. know, knowing Kirk and, uh, then just, uh, you know, put the cherry on top, his efforts, over the offseason to show everyone his Achilles is going to be fine have been nothing short of epic. I mean, he tweets himself out on a tennis court today. He was dancing with a shirt off on TV at some awards show. And you're like, this man is a business hall of famer. That's for sure. So uh, right now for me, as far as he comes back to Minnesota or not total coin flip, I think probably if you asked 50 people inside the Vikings building, is he coming back? 25 would say yes. And 25 would say no. I think we just don't know what his agent is going to find at the combine when he talks to teams, what the prices are going to be and how many other teams are going to be interested. I could see as many as four teams being interested or as little as zero aside from the Vikings, because that's just, that's just Kirk, right? It's like some people are all in, some people are all out on Kirk and there's no in between. Matthew, the Vikings split with the Packers last year. Uh, and I know that Vikings fans were hoping that, Green Bay couldn't find another guy in succession that would beat the Vikings. Uh, Jordan Love, what is the pulse from Vikes fans about him and Green Bay moving forward? Denial. Complete and full 1,000% <laughs> denial. Uh, but uh, sorry, folks. Jordan Love is good. I yeah. mean, the, the, what, what we saw in the second half of the season, what I saw in front of my face at, at U.S. Bank Stadium when he played against the Vikings in, was it either early January, December, might have been like New Year's Eve, was a dude going off schedule, throwing off his back foot for a 50-yard touchdown. I mean, just like things that 
we've seen from their great quarterbacks of the past. And it was always with him. He's got tons of talent, great athleticism, but can he harness it? And what we saw was he harnessed it in the second half of the season and absolutely lit up a Vikings defense to that point that had been pretty darn good throughout the season and had confused him the first time. But I, I think that he figured out a lot of things and developed very quickly, uh, you know, after all, having all that time before he was starting and just looked in total command of the offense. Like that's not something we saw a lot of against Brian Flores' defenses this year. We saw a lot of confused quarterbacks, but he was not the second time he played him. And then you saw, you know, what he did against Dallas and for three quarters against San Francisco. I mean, the talent is there. The pedigree is there. And his, his relationship with the coach is there. They've got multiple wide receivers that he can work with and, and was making something out of throughout that season. Uh, the entire NFC North should really be factored in, though, to the Vikings' decision with Kirk. Because if you look at the plans that all the teams in the NFC North laid out, so the Bears were going to tank, the Lions were going to tank, and the Packers were going to develop Jordan Love. And it's worked for everyone. The Bears have now a pretty good roster to work with now that they've got Montez Sweat and if they bring back Jalen Johnson and you can draft number one and you can also draft number nine. That's a pretty good setup. And then the, the Lions are in the NFC Championship with a young team and a quarterback who's going to continue to be himself and he's going to be good and he's going to have top offenses. Nothing's going to change there. So if you're the Vikings, if you bring back Kirk, do you finish fourth? I mean, what's the argument for even finishing second in the division other than if, you know, quarterbacks got hurt or something? Because th this team this team needs like 11 starters. I mean, when you look at their free agent list, they don't have any defensive linemen. Harrison Phillips is their only defensive lineman under contract outside of an undrafted free agent that played 67 snaps last year. They have a linebacker who's a free agent that played almost 1,000 snaps last year. Harrison Smith might retire. They need a left guard. Their number three wide receiver is leaving. And you're supposed to fill all of this in free agency? I mean, maybe maybe if, uh, you know, we, we go back and they sign Big Daddy Wilkinson and Deion Sanders and Bruce Smith yeah. and so forth, is, is that going to be the plan? Like, how are they, what are they going to do here? How are they going to fill out a roster around Kirk Cousins that's good enough to legitimately compete? It seems like if they bring back Kirk, Kirk it's basically – we are trying not to get fired for a year while we like try to patch this thing together. That's not a plan. That's like hope, I guess, that it's going to work. And I have trouble seeing how that actually works. All right, we catch it too long, brother. But I, I'm just curious: is is I mean, are we talking about is Gardner Minshew in the plans? Is is Baker in the plans? You said draft the quarterback, but Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels, all those guys are going to be gone. So, are you reaching a little bit for JJ McCarthy? Like, what what is the plan at quarterback if it doesn't end up being Kirk? Yeah, I think uh, one name that got thrown out there that uh, I thought was kind of interesting is Sam Darnold, and I know that everyone's face turns green when you say it, but if you're <laughs> But if you're a team that is in transition, as this roster very much is, uh, then I think that taking a shot on somebody and hoping for kind of a Ryan Tannehill type of resurgence for someone and then drafting a quarterback is a pretty good plan. And, you know, I think people have treated Bo Nix as if he's like dog crap. And I don't <laughs> understand that because I, I watched the play. I looked at the numbers. You look at he was a five star coming out and everything you go what's everyone's problem with this guy? Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, if you're drafting even the second tier of first round quarterbacks, I think history tells us that 
the NFL is not too good at this, picking out which quarterbacks are going to be successful and which aren't just because the transition from college is so different. So if you were kind of taking that approach of bring in somebody like Minshew is fine because he could mentor the guy, but maybe even somebody that has a little bit more potential upside and then take a shot at a first round quarterback and then just use the cap space to rebuild the rest of their roster. I mean, I, I just, I need to understand how you're going to put together these pieces when you just won seven games and like you're, you're the supporting cast outside of Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison, just not that good. So uh, they, they are really in like peril here as far as the roster goes, which to me says, take the slower approach, take the, whatever it is, McCarthy, Knicks, Penix, whatever it is, and try to build around them. And if that fails, then you're drafting high again. You're probably doing it with a new GM and head coach, but it's, I mean, it's better than going eight, nine over and over and yeah. over again. So yeah. more of the same. I completely agree. Uh, football is a numbers game. Get it on Barnes and Noble or Amazon, wherever they uh, have fine literature. It's at Matthew C O L L E R on Twitter and purple insider.com. Always great conversation, Matthew. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate the time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. It's Matthew Collar, everybody, on the Monk's Barbecue Hotline on the Chad Duke Show. If you're interested in buying or selling a home, there's only one person you should call, and that's Joe Azer. You can reach him at 571-989-2937. That's 571-989-AZER. Thanks for listening to Both Kinds of Sports. Feel free to check out more of the Chad Duke Show at chaddukeshow.com on social media at Chad Duke Show, or anywhere else you can find your podcasts. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.